0: Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Today is a special day. Did anybody know... Does anybody know what special day today is? Other than the fact that it's Sunday, Sunday is a special day. Uh, Today is a special day, almost as important as, as Christmas and Easter. Does anybody know? I almost missed it myself. Today is the day of Pentecost. Does anybody, know, uh, everybody know what the day of Pentecost is? Uh, well, all of us associate it with what happened in the uh, book of Acts in chapter 2 uh, where the Spirit of God fell upon the, the uh, disciples after Jesus ascended into heaven. And <clears throat> that's just the beginning of the, the whole... Uh, understanding of Pentecost. And so today I want us to to look at Pentecost and I want us to see how a group of, uh, just a very small group of people. Now there was 120 of them, uh, those disciples who followed after Jesus. We think about the disciples in terms of the 12 that followed after Jesus and that is very familiar with us. And those are the inner uh, circle of disciples. But there was actually... Uh, If you count all the people that followed after Jesus, there was 120 of them. And this included a lot of women and men that that aren't necessarily named in the Bible, but they're just as important as the 12 that followed Jesus and were intimate in the the dealings of Jesus uh, during His ministry. But if you'll recall... Uh, and as you're looking at the second chapter of Acts there uh, it's preceded by some of the last moments that Jesus spent with the disciples in Acts chapter 1 Uh, and uh, if you look at the Old Testament that's the the work of God the Father in the lives of people to get them ready for his provision of a Savior Uh, when when we begin our look at what God is doing in the lives of people and God's interaction with mankind, it, it all begins, everybody will agree that it all begins back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Uh, and they kind of messed things up, didn't they? I mean, uh, everybody wants to blame poor Eve. I mean, uh, she was the first one that was approached there by uh, the serpent, but she wasn't the only one. In fact, if you go back and read the book of Genesis, it's ambiguous as to where Adam was during the whole time in which she's interacting with uh, the serpent. But he couldn't have been too far away because the Bible says that as soon as uh, she was deceived, she turned... To Adam. It's not like she had to go hunt for Adam. She didn't have to go find Adam. She didn't have to go call him up, uh, or text him or anything like that, email him. Uh, it it's, it's almost implies that Adam was kind of right there close to her. She turned to him and and Eve took a lot of, con, uh, of convincing by the serpent. But Adam, he was ready to take it just right away so uh but but this they are kind of of symbolic uh, or representative of all of mankind in terms of how we all sin, we all uh yield to the temptation of Satan, and we fall into sin. Well, God had to deal with that sin he couldn 't be in uh, uh, in the presence of sin he didn 't want uh, sin to be in the presence of Uh, there in the the garden and so they had to he had to banish uh, adam and eve from the garden of eden and from that moment before they were even kicked out of the garden of eden god was planning and making preparations to bring mankind back to him he began it by offering a sacrifice it says the bible tells us that uh, god sacrificed an animal and uh, used the skins to clothe the, uh, adam and eve to cover their nakedness because they had tried to do it themselves but they didn't do a very good job they got a got a couple of uh, tree branches and leaves and cover themselves but that wasn't good enough they were hiding from god in order to try and hide their sin from god but that didn't work and uh, god came and sacrificed an animal and covered them with this animal skins as a temporary covering for the day in which he would send his son Jesus Christ God incarnate to die on the cross to be the ultimate sacrifice so that we might have redemption and so what we see is in the new testament is is god fulfilling that uh plan fulfilling that promise in jesus christ coming and walking on the earth teaching the disciples for three and a half years he was there to teach them and to share with them uh god's desire he it, it was also a time in which he confronted the the leaders of religion at the time it, it the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those people who were part of uh, temple worship and saying, how did you get this so wrong? How did you get so far off and really that's what the message is to us today there's so many people today who think you know i'm a good person they kind of hitch up their britches and they say you know i'm not that bad of a person i'm i'm a pretty good person I, i i do things okay i don't go out and and murder anybody i don't go out and and certainly we want to pray for those people that were affected out in Texas uh, uh, with the uh, shooting that happened out there at the high school. But I'm not like him. I didn't go out and shoot people that are innocent, that had nothing, did, did nothing wrong. I'm not like uh, uh, some guy like... Uh, Uh, David Koresh that's leading people away from God and causing them all to commit suicide. I'm not like uh, Jim Jones that that led masses of people away from God and, and caused them to commit suicide there in Guyana. Uh, South. Uh, uh, I, I'm not like any of those people. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not even like Hitler. I didn't go out and and commit genocide against the Jews. I'm not evil like that. I'm not somebody that goes and robs banks. I'm not somebody that uh, devastates people's lives by taking their life savings. I, I don't do any of those bad things. And we try and convince ourselves that we're pretty good. Well, <clears throat> I do good things. You might be a part of some civic organization that raised money to, to stamp out some kind of disease or to cause, uh, to, to raise money to help people that are burn victims or are unable to see, they're blind, uh, something like that. And, and you might feel pretty good. And, and that's kind of like Adam and Eve, trying to cover your, your sinfulness, trying to cover the things that you fall short in your own good deeds. And there's even people that, that come to church and say, hey, I come to church, I'm in Sunday school, I give an offering each Sunday, I'm a good person. My, and, and here's to how you can prove that how good of a person you are. A lot of people say, you know, my mama uh, taught Sunday school for years and years and, and my daddy was a deacon or a Sunday school teacher and uh, sang in the choir, and things like that. You might think, you know, I'm, I'm a good person, I go down there to church. You know, all those things are, are attempts by us to do what only God can do. And only God can provide a a payment for sin that we can't pay. And that's to give of Himself, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And where we come here in the book of Acts is a time in which it's been a period of time for uh, 50 days Uh since uh jesus rose from the grave he's been teaching and he's been sharing he's allowed over 250 people to see him uh uh, countless others have heard that he's alive and were able to see him and there's no doubt that jesus rose from the grave there's in bible times as in today You have two witnesses that share the same testimony. That's usually good enough for any court of law. Uh, And here Jesus was seen by countless others that he was alive. It wasn't a spectral form. Uh, Jesus shared a meal with the disciples. He allowed Thomas to touch his hands and his feet and his side. He, uh, he, he interacted with people, did all sorts of things to prove that he wasn't just a, a hallucination, as some people want to say, or other people want to say, well, he was a ghost, he was a spirit. No, uh, he, he did all those things to prove that he was actually there, actually alive, he didn't swoon. He didn't, he didn't. If you were anyone who knew anything about death on a cross, you know that there's no way He survived that without dying. He nearly died before He even got to the cross. Yes, yes. He, he suffered 40 lashes. He uh, then suffered on the cross. Uh, crucifixion is not about the nails in your hands and your feet. Crucifixion is, is a way of suffocation. And most people aren't aware of that. <clears throat> Each time that Jesus spoke on the cross, he said seven statements from the cross uh, of Calvary. Each time he said those things, he had to uh, pull up on those nail uh, nails in his wrists and the and push up with his feet with the nails in his feet in order to gain a breath. That's how they survive any length of time on the cross. All their weight, their whole body weight was was. Pressuring down on their lungs. And so he had to pull up. And as he gasped for air, he said those uh, things like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. True. He said things like, uh, um, Mother, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother, entreating the care of his mother as firstborn to the disciple that was there. Uh, saying things like, uh, uh, Father, why, sh- die- why have thou forsaken me? and into thy, hand, thy hands commit my spirit. All those things Jesus said as he was suffocating and dying on the cross. So there's no way that he just simply uh, passed out and then when he was put in the cold uh, darkness of the tomb was able to revive. There's, there's no way that that's possible. I mean, uh, the flesh was literally hanging off of his body uh, and you know, his heart was pierced by the soldier's spear. All of those things point to the fact that Jesus actually died on the cross and He's actually risen from the grave. And all the the disciples had seen all these things. And in the beginning of Acts, it tells about how the disciples were with Jesus and He's teaching them, and then He got, rises up into heaven and. They experience Jesus being taken up and lifted up into heaven. And while he's there, uh, while they're there watching Jesus ascend into heaven, uh, two angelic beings dressed in uh, white, uh, they come to the disciples and say hey why you keep looking up into the heavens Uh, this same Jesus whom was lifted up will be likewise returned to you and so uh, they're given assurance of the fact that Jesus is not just leaving them and never to return they're given the assurance that Jesus is coming again. And and so the disciples in their excitement about the fact that Jesus is coming again rush back to Jerusalem and they spend uh, 10 days before what happens here in Acts chapter 2 10 days in prayer and fellowship with each other they're in harmony with one another the bible says that the that the church was in harmony and they shared with one another they gave what they needed to each other and they did all those things that were necessary to prepare uh, necessary in sharing the gospel amongst themselves and, and this is kind of like uh, when I read this and I kind of think about this in terms of, of how people are when they get saved people when they hear the gospel message they hear about what Jesus did and they understand that Jesus gave that gift to them to receive gave them the opportunity to have salvation opportunity to be redeemed they're overwhelmed by that fact and they're, they're over, overcome by the uh, display of God's love and the display of the love of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And, and for many people, and you might be one of those here today, you, you might not have ever realized that Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, he did for you, not, just, not for other people that you kind of glom on and get a little bit of that on the side. This isn't something that Jesus did because he, he thought some people were really special and and because of that, you kind of get to, to have the benefit of it too. No, He did that specifically for you. When you read that in the Bible, you need to understand that, that what Jesus did on the cross, He didn't do just so that, that some people could have it. It's so that all people could have it. Jesus said, uh, the Bible tells us that that God loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, that means anybody, everybody. It doesn't mean that, that it's kind of something that, that is for there for, for anybody that might hear about it. This isn't one of those deals where you hear about a good deal and, and everybody says, hey, we, you, you need to go and, and take advantage of this and, and get it because they're getting good. No, Jesus did this specifically for you. It's not something that was done that, that, that is kind of out there for anybody uh, and everybody that wants it. And it is just simply because it's there for everybody. But Jesus, you need to think about this in terms of a gift that was designed specifically for you. The gift of Jesus Christ on the cross is a gift that that was designed specifically with you in mind. God had you in mind when he desired to send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, to go and die on the cross for you. And that, that payment was for your sins. Not just everybody's, but yours that, That's personal. And so here the disciples, they're excited about the fact that Jesus did all that for them and, and all of this is confirmation of who Jesus Christ is. If there was any doubts as to who Jesus was before, they're all gone after He rose from the grave. But even more so now that, that two angels are there and they're saying, hey, He's coming back. They're excited about the fact that that he's coming again, so they want to prepare to share it with everybody they can. It's like it's like finding out the best deal ever, and you just can't hold it in. You can't you can't keep it to yourself. You you realize it, it's like it's like finding the cure for cancer and everything else, and realizing that you can't just keep it to yourself. You've got to give it to everybody. And so the disciples, they're meeting together, they're having prayer, they're coming together and, and and fellowship, and they're praying, and they're asking God for direction, but they're also there because of what Jesus told them. He said He told them that they needed to go and to be ready. Look, if you will, for just a minute, hold your finger there in Acts and turn back to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, this is the, the gospel of Luke, and, and it's uh, kind of sharing what Jesus did right there at the end before He was taken up. In verse 45 it says, Then opened He their understanding. Jesus opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that... Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. So Jesus is saying, look, here's the understanding that you need to understand everything that's happened up until this time. And He says, not only that, you've been... To, uh, prophesied about that all of this would happen so that the remissions of sin would happen and that it would be spread to everywhere and it's going to start in Jerusalem. And he says, you're those witnesses. And he says, and behold, I send you the promise of my father and upon you and tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until the, uh, till you be uh, endued with the power from on high. then he led him up to Bethany and he was lifted up into the hands of of God. And so we see here that as Jesus, right before he leaves, he tells them, look, you're going to be disciples. You need to go back to Jerusalem. You need to be prepared because the promise of God the Father is coming on you. And that's what happens here in Acts chapter 2. And we begin in in verse 1 and it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now, Pentecost was a festival. For the Israelites. When the other big day for the Jewish nation was the Passover Day, the day in which God delivered them from Egypt. Now you remember, let's go back uh, uh, several hundred years back before uh, the time of Jesus, over a thousand years. Uh, Jesus, uh, all the Israelites are uh, have been, they went. This all goes back to Joseph, who was uh, sold into slavery by his, his brothers. He's one of the twelve brothers of Isaac, whose also name is Israel. And, uh, or Jacob, excuse me, Jacob, whose also name is, is Israel. And he, they're the children of Israel. They're the 12 sons. And they get all upset because Joseph is, is telling them, them all these dreams. And so they sell him into slavery. He winds up in, in Egypt. He's thrown into jail uh, after being a slave. And and he's then brought out of jail to, to, uh, to share the dream of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh makes him second in command. So Pharaoh says, hey, bring all of your... Uh, bring all of your family down because this great famine that you foretold is coming where you want to keep them safe so all the children of israel and and israel goes down to egypt they go down there and they weather through the famine and they're they're there and they multiply they just they grow they just multiply like rabbits i mean they're just going everywhere and all these all these israelites and and the egyptians get scared of them and they get to a generation or so down the line they forget everything that joseph's done and so they enslave the israelites because they don't want to be overtaken by them and the israelites go through uh uh, hundred four hundred years of slavery they're in Egypt there for 400 years. And then God hears their cries because they've been in slavery. And so he delivers them and he rises up Moses to take them out of Egypt. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let, uh, God says, let my people go. And uh, I always think of Charlton Heston there. Uh, in front of yilbrenner and or not is it Brenner? yeah he's he 's playing pharaoh and and he 's saying, uh, God says, "Let my people go and and Pharaoh says hey you can't go and and so he uh, brings all these plagues, and you remember the the plagues that come uh, to the Egyptians, the water uh, in the Nile turning to blood and the frogs and the flies and and the hail and all that kind of stuff, the last one. Is God says this is it? I'm so tired of this guy. I've and he hardened uh, Pharaoh's heart. Remember, and all of that was done to prove that he was God and to show that God was in control of things. And he and, and all of those plagues he's destroying their understanding of all the gods that they worship and saying these gods aren't god i'm the only god the last one was that he sent the death angel and god said to moses tell all the people to sacrifice a lamb foreshadowing to jesus and place the blood on the lentil. that's the thing that goes around the doorway he says stay inside where uh, where you're covered by the blood And that's a foreshadowing to Christianity, being covered by the blood of the Lamb. And uh, the Israelites turned that day of deliverance into a festival called the Passover. And they're just delighted that they're freed from slavery and they're leaving. and, And God says... Uh, And in the time that they go from Egypt to the promised land, God begins to develop them into his people. And one of the things that God tells them to do is uh, in worship to God is, is that they need to have a time in which they worship God with the first fruits of their harvest. Now, while they're going through the wilderness, they don't have a harvest because they're nomads at that point but once they get into the promised land he says you're going to have all the, the it's a land that's flowing with milk and honey and you're going to plant uh crops and things and he says i want you to remember what i've given you and so they have what they call uh, the festival of weeks or the festival of first fruits and that's when they come together and they they worship god when the harvest comes in we do that we've done this in this church we have revival when the first harvest comes in we have revival services and it is kind of reminiscent of this festival of weeks or the the festival of the first harvest uh, in worshiping God because he's given us all the blessing of the harvest that's coming in and the Israelites were to do that they were to give an offering of the first fruits the very first things that came out of the garden and they did that And it's known as Pentecost. And and it's 50 days after uh, the Passover is celebrated. Penny means 50. And so Pentecost is this time when they come together after 50 days after uh passover and they're all coming together and all the jewish people have been by the time of jesus they've all been spread out they've all been dispersed all over the world at the time because of their sin god didn't uh keep them in in uh, israel because of their sin and they they've gone all over the place and so when they have this Passover, they come together and worship together for Passover, and many of them stay for the 50 days between Passover and Pentecost, and they stay and then they come together for the celebration of of the first fruits or Pentecost, and they have a celebration then. And this is that celebration that that all these people have come together from 17 different countries, people all over the world, uh, have come that have roots in Jerusalem, in Israel, and they've come together. And it says, And when they came, uh, the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. They, talking about the disciples. They were all together. They were having prayer meetings. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a, a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now, when I read this as a child and, and heard about this as a child, I always thought of the tongue. I couldn't get past the tongues part. Now it's it's fire coming from heaven, and, it, and it's the Spirit of God. And why does it say tongues? I always thought of my dog who would let her tongue just hang out and like that during the summer and how she'd sometimes like to lick me in the face, you know, when I was growing up. And thinking about that when I think of the, these, these tongues coming from heaven. But what it really means is that there's one uh, great... Uh, like a bolt of fire that comes from heaven and then it splits out to all the disciples and each individual one is, is uh, covered by this and it is the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Uh, and it says in verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak uh, with the other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at uh, Jerusalem devout men out of every nation under heaven. And now when this was noised abroad, and the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his uh, own language, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these uh, which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own hung everywhere uh, wherein we were born so uh, what happens is, is the power of God comes down upon the disciples and the power of the Holy Spirit fills them And he gives them a gift of the Spirit, one of the gifts of the Spirit being uh, the ability to speak in tongues. Now, there's a lot of people that have a lot of discussion about what this means. And the answer is right here in the Scripture. It's easy for you to understand, and it's explained. When it says that they spoke in tongues, it means languages because it says that all the people from all the different places heard the gospel in their language, in their tongue and so when it says that they uh spoke in tongues you have to take that into the context of the tongues that is mentioned uh in the next verse says that they all heard in their own tongue and so in essence they you could say it was the the power of the holy spirit coming upon them to speak in languages not not necessarily tongues Uh, Some people think of tongues and they think of an incoherent uh, uh, babbling that some people do in in, uh, the church to to try and, and show that they have the Holy Spirit upon them. Look... You don't have to speak in tongues to show the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. That's just one of the gifts of the Spirit. But the gift of the Spirit that they had was that they shared the gospel. They didn't just stand around and speak in in all these languages around each other. They burst out into the places where all these people were, and they began to share the gospel. And that's that's what the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, is in your life is to is to convict the hearts of men. And God used these men through His power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel message, to convict the hearts and lives of these people, and to draw them to Jesus Christ, and to help them to understand that uh, they needed to accept Jesus Christ into their life. And so that's what the whole special thing about uh, Pentecost is for us today is the birth of the new church, the birth of of the, the early church where these 120 people, which is just a small fraction number of people compared to the total number of people on earth at the time. Think about that. We think of our church as not a really big church and how we, we're kind of limited in the number compared to other churches. It didn't take a whole lot of people to, to spread the gospel all over the world. Think about that. 120 people. If you took 12 men who then were part of the inner group of the 120 disciples, you think about how the gospel has gone to the four corners of the earth. And this day alone, the Bible tells us that that there was added 3,000 people. Can you imagine if we had... Okay, we don't have 120 people here today, but can you imagine if proportionate we had like 1,000 people that joined our church today? that got saved and, and decided to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, to become a follower of Christ and say, hey, I want to I give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I want to be baptized today and I want to start sharing the gospel message with other people and growing in an understanding of what God wants for me in my life. That would be an amazing thing. Hey, if we had a hundred people that wanted to give their heart to Christ and to be baptized and to become a, a, a ardent follower of Jesus Christ and to and to do everything they could to serve God. That'd be an amazing thing, wouldn't it? That'd be awesome. Now why is it that we don't have that? Perhaps it's because we don't allow ourselves to go through some of the same steps and processes that the early church did that day. They were excited about what God was doing in their life. And they were seeking out God's direction in their life. They got together and and they had... The Bible says, what did I tell you they were doing? When the Holy Spirit came upon them, were they in a committee meeting? No. No. Were they were they devising a plan a, in order to, to do something? No. Were they building a church? No. Did they have uh, uh, a, a special fund set up to, to collect money to build a church? No. They were together in prayer. And because they were together in prayer and were devoting themselves to each... They were devoting themselves to each other and to God. And so... What we see is is that they, first of all, in their excitement about what God was doing, devoted themselves to God, which led them to devote themselves to each other, which led them to share attributes of God that god had put in their lives they began to share what they had with one another they began to minister to each other and the needs that they had they began to share uh what they uh the needs that that the widows had and they began to do all these things and their number was already beginning to 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 increase but then when the power of the holy spirit fell on them they didn't keep it to themselves. They didn't say, hey, we need to come back here and pray some more tomorrow because we want God to fall on us again. No, when the God's Holy Spirit fell on them, they burst out of that upper room. They didn't stay in the upper room. They went out and they shared it with other people. And God provided a way for them to share it with people from all over the world to hear it in their heart language, to hear it in the language that they could understand intimately within them. God can do the same thing for us today. I look at the church today, not this church in particular, but the church universally, the whole church nation, uh, worldwide. Now think about the billions of people that have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior from that day until this day. And I wonder why can't we have the same kind of explosion and growth in in God's church today that that they experienced that day. So my question for you today is... uh, Do you have Jesus in your heart and life? Is Jesus real to you? Jesus was really... It clicked in their mind who Jesus was. After His death and resurrection, And right as He was parting, God allowed them to understand everything that was going on. You can have that understanding too. You can... If you accept Jesus in your heart and life today, God wants to reveal to you His plan for your life. And it begins with giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't have Jesus in your life, if Jesus isn't part of you, if, if, if all your relationship to God is just simply coming to church every once in a while, that's not it. You have to give your heart to Jesus. You have to welcome him into your life. Won't you do that today? Won't you accept him today? Maybe you have Jesus in your heart and life, but you've been going through a desert time in your life where He's not been really real to you, and you've been going through a period of time where you, you feel as though, well, I, I've got Jesus in my life, but I, I'm not I'm not excited like some people. I, I don't feel like I have a, a special relationship with God. I, I don't have an intimate relationship with God. Maybe you need to do some of the things that the disciples were doing that first ten days after Jesus rose. Committing yourself to, to prayer. Committing yourself to the others who are in the faith. Seeking what God would have you to do. Allowing yourself to be open to the Holy Spirit. And believe me, when you do that, when you commit, recommit your life to Him, the Spirit of God will come on you. God's Holy Spirit will come upon you as soon as you give your heart and life to Him. What you do with it is so important. So many of us want to tuck Jesus away. Well, I'm a Christian now. I've got my ticket punched. I'm ready to go to heaven. So I'm just going to go about my business and and not worry about other people. No, that's not what God wants. He wants His Holy Spirit to work in your life and to cause you to share it with others. The whole work of this church is not to, to maintain this building or to have money to run the air condition or the lights. And all those things are nice. But our whole purpose of being a church is to share the gospel message with others, to minister to others who are in the faith and to those who are not, and to share God's love, to share the attributes of God that He is implanting within us as we grow closer to Him with others who need to see and to feel the presence of God in their life. The world is a dark place. The world needs God. The world needs God's love. And God's love is... You and me, we're like little pins, pinpricks, in the fabric of, of a dark world that allows the light to shine through, allows the light of God to shine on the lives of others. If we cover ourselves up, the light of God can't shine through in us. We want to share that light, the light, of, the love of God. We want to share the, the presence of God that He's brought into our life, into their life, by sharing love, by sharing the, the things that we have to help other people, by doing the things that we can to minister to the lives of others so that they can see God's love in us. Don't you want that in your life? Don't you want that excitement of knowing Jesus and seeing Him work in your life? It begins today. Let's pray.